This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The PMP exam is known to be a voluminous exam, lots of content. So today we're going to be taking a look at all of the tasks, all of the domains, and all of the enablers for the exam within the next 10 to 15 minutes. The purpose is to use this as an open-ended thinking palette for you to think out loud and look inwardly to see if you truly know all the processes that are linked to each enabler and each task as I call them out. So let's start off with the people domain. The people domain starts off with the task manage conflict. In order to manage conflict, the project manager should be able to do a wide array of things. However, I do wanna call your attention to the PMBOK guide to the manage team process where those five approaches to conflict are talked about. On top of that, you should be able to interpret the source and stage of the conflict analyze the context for the conflict, and also evaluate, recommend, and reconcile the appropriate conflict resolution solution. From the world of Agile, how would you tackle conflict? Would you tackle conflict from the lens of the Scrum Master? How about tackling conflict from the lens of a team member or a product owner? Would there be a difference? What does the servant leader do where conflict is in the center. Can you get any clues from the Agile Practice Guide, page 33 forward? Take a look and be sure to close those gaps before your exam. People task two is lead a team. There are seven enablers here, which makes it one of the largest tasks in the entire PMP exam content outline. As a project manager, you should understand what it means to set a clear vision and mission, which documents you use to do that. You should be able to support diversity and inclusion. Understand that diversity goes beyond just race and religion. It encompasses how people think and many other factors. Value servant leadership. Agile practice guide, page 33 forward. Understand the tenets of servant leadership value servant leadership and be able to relate the tenets of servant leadership to the team. Determine an appropriate leadership style, directive, collaborative, so on. If you haven't looked at the Hersey Blanchard model, you should, it could help you. Inspire, motivate and influence team members, stakeholders, understand team contracts, social contract, reward systems and more. I would advise you to take a look at 9.1 in the PMBOK guide and understand the output, the team charter. When we say team contract and social contract, it refers to all of these systems and vehicles. This is also talked about in the Agile Practice Guide. Analyze team members and stakeholders influence. Lastly, distinguish various options to lead various team members and stakeholders. 
I would advise you to take a look at chapter three in the PMBOK guide where different leadership approaches are talked about on top of understanding the Hersey Blanchard model. Let's talk about task three, support team performance. In order to do this, the project manager should appraise team member performance against key performance indicators, support and recognize team member growth and development, and also determine appropriate feedback approach. Lastly, the project manager should verify performance improvements. Let's move on to task four. Task four, empower team members and stakeholders. One of the best ways to empower a team is to make the team responsible and accountable for a lot of items. Organize around team strength. Support team task accountability by making it a self-organizing team as we do in the world of Agile. Evaluate demonstration of task accountability and determine and bestow levels of decision-making authority. And this is done again very visibly in the world of Agile by making it a self-organizing team. Tasks one all the way to 14 in the people domain is focused very heavily on chapter nine, specifically 9.4, 9.5, which is develop team and manage team. Let's go on to our next task, people task five. Ensure team members and stakeholders are adequately trained. Training is a tool and technique of develop team. Determine required competencies and elements of training. Determine training options based on training needs. Allocate resources for training. Measure training outcomes. Be aware that training is talked about not only in the PMBOK guide, but also in the Agile Practice Guide. Now, bear in mind that there is a fine line between training, coaching, mentoring. All these vehicles are really for team development, for individual development. But in the world of Agile, we address this using other terms. Be sure to read the portion where you, the servant leader, can act as a mentor, where you, the servant leader, exposes the team to higher levels of process efficiency. People task six, build a team, appraise stakeholder skills in order to build your team and then deduce project resource requirements. Continuously assess and refresh team skills to meet project needs and maintain team and knowledge transfer. Now this is a potpourri of 9.4 and also many items scattered across the Agile Practice Guide. Highly advise you to read page 50 forward to understand the practices that will intersect with some of this and understand managed project knowledge specifically is not just gathering lessons learned. It's all about the sharing of knowledge, be it tacit or explicit. People task seven, address and remove impediments, obstacles, and blockers for the team. In the world of predictive, we may call these issues, but in the world of agile, we clearly call them impediments. Determine critical impediments, obstacles, and blockers for the team. Prioritize these critical impediments, obstacles, and blockers for the team. Use your network, people you know, connections in the organization to remove these impediments, and then reassess continually to ensure impediments, obstacles, and blockers for the team are being addressed. It's a cyclical thing. Let's move on to our next task. Negotiate project agreements. 
these project agreements could be any kind of agreement, scope, schedule, cost, anything on the iron triangle or the quintuple constraint needs to be negotiated. Now, beyond that, when we talk about the world of Agile, we could be talking about story points. We'd be talking about different sprint quality, sprint goals, goals for the entire operations that we're working on, whatever it is. So bear in mind that when we talk about negotiating project agreements, it does not always have to be money with a contractor, with a vendor. We could be negotiating anything in the firm from team to team, from project team to operations team, from project team to management and much more. So first of all, analyze the bounds of the negotiations for agreement. What is included, what is not. Assess priorities and determine ultimate objectives. Verify that the objectives of the agreement is met, participate in agreement negotiations, and determine a negotiation strategy. Now, these are not all in order, but you should be aware that different negotiating styles could be present in questions. So when you see questions testing you on understanding negotiation to make it a win-win, think win-win. Task nine, collaborate with stakeholders. In order to do this, you should evaluate engagement needs for stakeholders, Optimize alignment between stakeholders' needs, expectations, and project objectives. Build trust and influence stakeholders to accomplish project objectives. Task 10, build shared understanding. When we talk about understanding, lack of understanding could be a big problem. So we first want to break down the situation to identify the root cause of a misunderstanding. We want to survey all necessary parties to reach consensus and we want to support the outcome of the party's agreement, even if it's different from ours. We also want to investigate potential misunderstandings. Task 11, engage and support virtual teams. Now, the concept of virtual teams is huge. I would advise you to look up this keyword, virtual, in the PMBOK guide and the Agile Practice Guide. Be sure to know these keywords. Fishbowl. Search for it in the Agile Practice Guide. Parent and words that resonate with the virtual team mindset. So first of all, we want to examine virtual team member needs, the environment, the geography, culture, global, and so on. Then we want to investigate alternatives, communication tools, co-location for virtual team member engagement. And we want to implement options for virtual team member engagement. And last but not least, we want to continually evaluate the effectiveness of virtual team member engagement. Task 12. Define team ground rules. Bear in mind that ground rules exist in the team charter. This is talked about in 9.1 in your Agile Practice Guide. Highly recommend you check out the word team charter. Social contract, team contract are alternate terms we use, but these contain ground rules. What are ground rules? Do's, don'ts, good behaviors, bad behaviors also called out. We want to communicate organizational principles with the team and external stakeholders and establish an environment that fosters adherence to ground rules. And we want to manage and rectify any ground rule violations. Task 13, mentor relevant stakeholders. As I said previously, there's a fine line between these. Make sure you understand the context of the question. Allocate the time to mentoring and recognize and act on mentoring opportunities. The final task of the people domain is promote team performance through the application of EI. What is EI? 
being able to bridle one's emotions and being able to influence the emotions of others for good output. Let's take a look at the enablers here. Assess behavior through the use of personality indicators. Myers-Briggs, we won't go into all of that here, is an example, but be aware that there are other types of personality indicators, like the DISC system, for example. For your exam, I would say at a high level, know the categories and what the eight categories in the Myers-Briggs model is. And from that, you should be able to extrapolate answers when you find them on the exam. Lastly, analyze personality indicators and adjust to the emotional needs of key project stakeholders. So my friends, we have covered everything in the people domain. Let's move on to the process domain. The process domain is very easy to understand, especially if you've read the PMBOK guide, because it maps directly back to entire chapters a lot of the times. So let's start off talking about task one, execute the project with the urgency required to deliver business value. You need to execute with urgency because business value should be delivered as quickly as possible so your clients can begin to reap the benefits of this. And this concept could be explained for hours in the agile domain. Make sure you understand what exactly this is talking about. So within that task, you want to assess opportunities to deliver value incrementally. Remember the incremental life cycle, read the agile practice guide for that. Examine the business value throughout the project, support the team to subdivide project tasks to find the MVP, look out for that word, make sure you know what it is really well. The key thing in the MVP is the feedback. That's the value, the feedback that you get from stakeholders going back in to things like your product backlog, your vision and understanding of the project. And you can very rapidly deduce if that thing that you've built, the MVP, is what the client wants. If it's not, you back out quickly and you adjust accordingly. Task two, manage communications. Analyze communication needs of all stakeholders, determine communication methods, frequency, channels, and level of detail for all stakeholders, and communicate project information and updates effectively. Now, what this is really saying is understand chapter 10 in the PMBOK guide really well, because when you take a look at what is here, it is very different from the way we think in the world of agile. Do we do this? Yes, we do, but in a different way, it's not as calculated with plans and documents. So understand the context of the question and how we communicate in the world of Agile. Lastly, confirm communication is understood and feedback is received. Let's go to our next task, assess and manage risk. In other words, chapter 11 in the PMBOK guide, understand all the tasks and you will be good for your exam. The enablers determine risk management options, iteratively assess and prioritize risk. Don't do it once, do it continuously. Let's move on to our next one, engage stakeholders. Task four, this maps back to chapter 13. Engage stakeholders enablers, analyze stakeholders, power interest grid, influence impact grid, categorize stakeholders, engage stakeholders by category. And lastly, develop, execute, and validate a strategy for stakeholder engagement. Let's move on. Task five, plan and manage budget and resources. This is really code for chapter seven and chapter nine in the PMBOK guide. 
the way we manage budget in the world of the PEMBOK guide is extremely vast. There are many facets, many different tools and techniques. Make sure you're aware of them for your exam. Regarding resources, a few peculiarities in the PEMBOK guide, make sure you know them. In the world of Agile, we refrain from calling people resources. Just be aware of the mindset when it comes to people versus physical resources. In order to do this task well, we need to estimate budgetary needs based on the scope of the project and lessons learned from past projects. And honestly, this is really code for estimate cost and determine budget because the words estimate and budget could be conflicting. We estimate costs, we determine budget. Make sure you understand that. Anticipate future budget challenges, monitor budget variations and work with governance process to adjust as necessary. Plan and manage resources. Now this is a wide sweep and enabler in that it covers everything that you would do with human, physical, equipment, material, resources, supplies, facilities. Just make sure you're all over chapter nine and don't forget 9.6. It's called control resources, but really it falls into this bucket. Task six, plan and manage schedule. Again, you gotta know all of chapter six, estimate project tasks, understand milestones, dependencies, story points if you're in the world of agile. Utilize benchmarks and historical data when you're dealing with your schedule. Prepare the schedule based on the methodology. Of course, the methodology is talked about earlier on, so you should have a good idea of the methodology you're using. And based on the method, as you read previously, story points could come into the discussion or not. Measure ongoing progress based on methodology. And this is really talking about control schedule. Modify the schedule as needed based on methodology. Again, talking about control schedule. Coordinate with other projects and other operations. It's important that our schedule sync across the organization so that all programs that are affected can move in one cohesive whole. Let's move on to our next one, task seven, plan and manage quality of products or deliverables. Now, products are part of what we define as deliverables because a deliverable is a product, service, or result. So in other words, we could say plan and manage quality of products, services, or results. So we want to determine the quality standard required for project deliverables. This is 8.1. Recommend options for improvement based on quality gaps. This is 8.2. Continually survey project deliverable quality, 8.3 and 8.2. And moving on to our next one, plan and manage scope is very similar. You need to understand all of chapter five regarding scope management. As you'll see from the enablers, they map directly back to processes in chapter five. Determine and prioritize requirements is 5.2. Break down the scope, WBS backlog, that's 5.4. Monitor and validate scope. Well, the right word is control scope and validate scope. That's really 5.5 and 5.6. So in essence, you really need to know your chapter five well. Task nine, integrate project planning activities. This is really all about integration. 
because that's what we do. But bear in mind in the world of Agile, it's the team that is responsible for integration activities. I would advise you to read page 90 forward in the Agile Practice Guide so that you can correlate who is responsible for what in the world of Agile versus in the world of Predictive. For this one, we wanna consolidate the project or phase plans, assess consolidated project plans for dependencies, gaps, and continued business value. Just be aware page 89 in the PMBOK guide is really what this is referring to. Analyze the data collected. Collect and analyze data to make informed project decisions. So what this is saying is, as you integrate the project, you're gonna get work performance data. It needs to be analyzed. You need to derive work performance information. It needs to be transformed into a work performance report to make informed project decisions from that report. And lastly, determine critical information requirements. This is really talking about information from a higher project level. Going into task 10, manage project changes. This is really code for the process known as perform integrated change control and all associated processes where changes are from. Now in the world of Agile, you need to remember, Agile is also known as a change-driven approach. So the way we manage changes in Agile is different from the way we manage changes in Predictive, and you need to understand that for your exam. Anticipate and embrace the need for change. Follow change management practices. Next, determine strategy to handle change. Now, this is inbuilt into our Agile frameworks for the most part. The way we manage change in a predictive setting is different from the way we do so in an Agile setting. Execute change management strategy according to the methodology, same as I just said, very different in the world of Agile. Change is built in. We welcome change. However, during a sprint, we lock down change and prohibit as much as possible any change during the sprint. Determine a change response to move the project forward. Again, this is predominantly in your predictive setting and you need to understand the process performing a greater change control really well. Task 11, plan and manage procurement. For this, you need to know chapter 12 in your PMBOK guide really well. You also should take a look in the Agile Practice Guide because there's some very unique contracts talked about and those contract types do not exist in the PMBOK Guide. Make sure you look them up. Communicate resource requirements. Manage supplies or contracts. Plan and manage procurement strategy. Develop a delivery solution. Task 12, manage project artifacts. Bear in mind in the world of predictive, what we call an artifact could be very different. For example, we could say, all of the items on page 89 are artifacts. The project scope baseline, the project schedule, the cost baseline, we could say they are artifacts, but in the world of Agile, it could be different. In the world of Agile, you hear people referring to backlogs, product backlog, sprint backlog, the PSI, those are artifacts. You also, in some circles, hear people referring to the Kanban board itself as an artifact. So just be aware that what we call artifacts in the world of predictive are different from what we would refer to them as in an agile setting. In the world of Scrum, observing the 353, you should know what the major artifacts are. However, on your exam, PMI does not conform to Scrum Alliance or Scrum.org. So their perception and their questions could have a different bend. So don't just think 353 
you got to think wider. In the world of Agile, for example, if they said, which of these is an artifact, a scope baseline versus a product backlog, you should choose product backlog in the world of Agile. Does that make sense? Good. Let's move on. So under task 12, determine the requirements, what, when, where, who, and so on for managing the project artifacts. Validate that project information is kept up to date, version control and accessible to all stakeholders. This is really code for configuration management. If you've not watched my video on configuration management versus change management, do a search configuration management versus change management Prazion in YouTube and you'll be able to watch that. Continuously assess the effectiveness of the management of the project artifacts. Now, this is obscured somewhat. Let's reveal what exactly it is. And here we go. It says process task 13, determine appropriate project methodology and practices. This is a very important one because it happens right at the beginning before you do anything else. So I know it's task 13, but your mindset needs to be, we do this first. So the project methodology, the methods, the practices, are we gonna use predictive, iterative, incremental, agile, or a hybrid? How? will we deliver on this project? So determine appropriate project methodologies and practices has the following enablers. First of all, assess project needs, complexity and magnitude. Understand the Stacy complexity model. Read the Agile Practice Guide, page 14, to better understand this, and then top it off with page 19 with the PMI continuum. Recommend project execution strategy, contracting, finance, and so on. And recommend project methodology. The approach is a predictive, agile, hybrid, iterative, incremental, and so on. Next, use iterative and incremental practices throughout the project lifecycle. Lessons learned, stakeholder engagement, and so on. For more, go to the Agile Practice Guide. I would recommend reading page 19. Really hammer down the differences between iterative, incremental, agile, and predictive. And also read page 50 forward so you understand the practices of agile. Task 14, establish project governance structure. This is really talked about most in chapter two. So in order to understand what governance is, search chapter two, understand governance frameworks, and you'll be in good shape. Determine the appropriate governance for a project. In other words, replicate organizational governance. Define escalation paths and thresholds. Task 15, manage project issues. An issue is often called a risk that has materialized, but understand the issue log and what exactly is in it. In other words, direct and manage project work and the output, the issue log. Recognize when a risk becomes an issue. Attack the issue with the optimal action to achieve project success and collaborate with relevant stakeholders on the approach to resolve issues. Task 16, ensure knowledge transfer for project continuity. How is knowledge transferred? Not only in lessons learned, but also as an organic transfer between team members. In order to do this, Discuss project responsibilities with the team. Outline expectations for the working environment. 
and confirm the approach for knowledge transfers. Last but not least, under process, we have task 17, plan and manage project or phase closure or transitions. This is really code for closed project or phase. What you need to do is determine criteria to successfully close the project or phase. And this criteria, understand this is in your project charter in 4.1. Next, validate the readiness for transition, transition to operations or the next phase. Lastly, conclude activities to close out the project or phase. That is the final lessons learned, the retrospective, procurement, financials, resources, all that stuff. Make sure you've got it buttoned down. Last but not least, let's talk about the business domain. In the business domain, we have four tasks. We have roughly 20-something enablers. Let's take a look really quick. Business people, task one. This should be business, task one. Do excuse my cobwebs. Business, task one. Now, this should actually read business, task one, plan and manage project compliance. Again, chapter two could help in some way to understand enterprise environmental factors, understand that these compliance rules, regulations that have to be followed fall under enterprise environmental factors. Let's take a look at the enablers. Confirm project compliance requirements, that is security, health and safety, and regulatory compliance. Classify compliance categories, there are quite a few of them. Determine potential threats to compliance. Use methods to support compliance. The project manager should also analyze the consequences of non-compliance, penalties, and things such as that. Determine the necessary approach and action to address compliance needs, risk, legal, and so on. And lastly, measure the extent to which the project is in compliance. Let's go to task two. Business task two, evaluate and deliver project benefits and value. This is a big thing here because in the world of Agile, it is what we focus on as a product owner, that value. In the world of predictive, we also take note of the benefits management plan. The benefits management plan should be looked at as a plan for meeting the project benefits. It also identifies the benefits. The benefits owner could also have some elements of a benefits register in it so that we're tracking the benefits and we're realizing those benefits at the right time. And a lot of times benefits are outside of the confines of a predictive project. On an agile project, you might find benefits delivered incrementally along the way, but in predictive projects, a one-time delivery necessitates someone being responsible for that. And that is the benefits owner. So understand that concept before you exam. Investigate that benefits identified Document agreement on ownership for ongoing benefit realization. Verify measurement systems are in place to track the benefits. Evaluate delivery options to demonstrate value and appraise stakeholders of value gain progress. Task three, business. Evaluate and address external business environment changes for impact on scope. And this is something that every project manager should do. When we talk about the impact on scope, we're talking about how this could impact, for example, our product backlog. We could be talking about how this could affect the work and its progress. So what we need to do as a project manager is 
surveyed these changes to the external business environment, be they regulations, technology, geopolitical, or market. We also want to assess and prioritize the impact on project scope, like I said, the backlog based on changes in the external business environment. We also should recommend options for the scope or backlog changes, schedule, cost changes, and things such as that. We should continually review external business environment for impacts on project scope and the backlog. And that takes us to task four. Task four is support organizational change. Support organizational change has the following enablers. Assess organizational culture, evaluate the impact of organizational change to the project and determine required actions. And lastly, evaluate the impact of the project to the organization and determine required actions. Now to better understand this, bear in mind that PMI has a standard for change in organizations. It's called managing change in organizations. And honestly, I think at a high level, the approach PMI describes there is very helpful in understanding how organizational change impacts individuals. I would advise you to look for a high level video I have on organizational change through this lens. It's out there somewhere on YouTube. I would also advise understanding what we call the J curve. The J curve, the Kubler-Ross model, go understand it. I think it could help you better understand how people are affected by change. And that, my friends, concludes our review of the PMP exam content outline to help you understand what exactly you could be facing on the exam and to make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. All right, listen to it over and over and over and over and over again. I am going to put it on repeat for those friends of mine who want to listen around the clock to make sure they've got all of this down pat, I will put it on play for the next 12 hours. Happy listening and all the best on your exam. Thank you. Bye for now.